Now it's my privilege to introduce to some of you for the first time, and some of you have had the opportunity to hear him in the past, Pastor Steve Cooper from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's coming forward to do the first half of a message on prayer this morning, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being here, sir. We love you. Appreciate you, sir. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It's really hard for pastors to ask for prayer. I don't know why that is. I don't, we think we must be self-sufficient or something. I don't know. I'd make a prayer list at our church, and I'd have everybody on that list that needed prayed for. But I was never on it. Maybe I was on somebody else's. I don't know. <laughs> it just odd. It strikes it odd to me when the Bible says, Love your neighbor as yourself, and you don't love yourself enough to pray for yourself. There's something mixed up there. There's, it's out of balance. I learned my lesson on a Wednesday night prayer group. When you have prayer groups like the men's prayer group, women's prayer group, I always looked at that group of people who would come to those kind of events as the core of the church. These are the people that God is going to use to build this church. We just had a few out. I remember that day I had been weed whacking. And in Pennsylvania, it's not like Florida. You've got heels. So you're like, like this, you know, when you're weed whacking at times. I thought I had sprained, sprained my ankle, my leg. I was sore there and I kind of limped up, you know, to the front and one of the ladies says, what's wrong with you, pastor? I said, well, I think I've just got this little sprain. I was out weed whacking and so we gathered for prayer after I gave a short message and it was my habit to go outside and greet the people then as they left, this one lady, her name was Phyllis Keebler. She came to me outside the door and she said, Pastor, I want you to promise me that you will go to the doctor tomorrow and you will have him look at your leg. I thought, all right, you know, I will. So I went to the doctor, he took a look at it, and he sent me to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, they did ultrasound on my leg and discovered it was a blood clot. They sent me to the um, x-ray, put a dye in my system first, so I'd get good contrast with the x-ray. The clots had gone up into my lungs. When they go into your lungs with blood clot, the next closest thing is your heart. <laughs> the doctor said to me, you're going to be okay. We're going to get you on heparin. We're going to get you on Coumadin, get your blood thinned out. We're going to put this defibrillator at the bottom of your bed until all that takes effect. He says, it's a good thing you came to church today. You came to uh, the hospital today that you were in church last night. I told him the story. All because someone prayed for me. That's how important it is that you pray for your pastor. That you hold him up in prayer. That you 
remember him. As often as you can think about your pastor, remember and pray for him. Because he needs your help. He told me that when they did the, uh, they were going to do the surgery, the way they used to do the surgery is they would cut you, cut you open just like they're going to do a, um, a heart operation. And they would spread your, they would spread your uh, ribs apart so they could get in there and they could um, do all that they needed to do with the hyenal hernia. He said, now they do it differently. They go up through with little tubes and stuff in there that looks at what's going on and they fix it up. But he said when they did it with the um, splitting of the sturum, there was almost no chance that the hernia would come back. When they do it the orthoscopic way where they go up through, there's a 40% chance that it will come back. You need to pray for your pastor that he will never have to go through this kind of surgery again. That's why we're looking at prayer. Pastor asked me to speak on prayer today, and he said, remind the people to pray for me. We're going to take a close look at the Lord's Prayer. Really appreciate your being here today. And this is going to be more like a um, lesson than a preaching, although I do get carried away at times. Talking with God, part one, as we begin to look at this scripture in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they could have asked for a lot of different things. Make us good preachers, Lord. How do we preach like you preach? He would bring multitudes together, and He would teach them the Word of God. They could have said, Lord, how do you heal people? Could you share that with us? That would be a good thing for us to know. And by the way, could you also tell us how you do that thing with the food? Because that would be a masterful thing to understand. But they ask Him, teach us how to pray. After this manner, therefore, pray... Could we just say this together? I I don't know if uh, you know the Lord's Prayer as well as I know it, because going through high school, going through grade school and high school, prayer and Bible reading were still in school. If you're like in your late 60s, 70s, you don't have to tell me if you are, but you know, you know about this. You probably had to say the Lord's Prayer. We said it every morning. Salute to the flags, the Lord's Prayer, Scripture reading in school. Can you believe it? In fact, um, my future wife was part of the student council at Elders Ridge High School, and she and another girl were in charge of that prayer. And I'm reading the scripture and doing the announcements. Now, I didn't know when I was in ninth grade that I would be marrying a senior. No idea, but I would have been delighted to know that. On the other hand, her boyfriend, Clarence Crawford, was the captain of the football team. He was the prom king. He looked like he should be on a Wheaties box. If she would have found out she was going to marry that freshman, toe-headed, skinny little kid. 
That would have been horrifying. Isn't it good that the Lord doesn't share everything with us? We'd like to know the future. We'd like to know all the details. But He's so kind as to not burden us with all those things that would be upsetting at that time. Let's look at this Lord's Prayer. And if you wouldn't mind, let's just say it together. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank Jesus that He gave us this prayer. Not that we're to recite it just like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But in that prayer is the content of what should be in our prayers as we pray to the Lord each day. We're going to analyze this. First, we want to see what prayer is. What does it mean? What's a good definition? Communication with God, who is our Father, through the authority of Jesus. That's why we end our prayer in Jesus, assisted by the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says sometimes we don't know how to pray. And the Spirit of God, with words that we cannot speak and groanings that we cannot utter, take our prayers to heaven and plead them before the Son, who intercedes for us before the Father because He knows just what we are going through. God is so good. There are four principles of prayer that we're going to look at first. The first one is to pray regularly. How many of you know that if you didn't communicate with your wife or your husband on a daily basis, there would be something going on? When my wife is quiet, I must have done something. It's a good thing to go and say, honey, what's wrong? And what's, what's upsetting to you? My dad used to say when we were growing up, anytime your mother makes chili, there's something wrong. He tried to find out. (laughs) Communication is key. If you're going to have a balanced relationship, you don't do all the talking. Have you ever had someone like that in your life? You can't even get a word in edgewise. They're just talking their heads off and suddenly you say, Oh, yeah, yeah, you agree, but you can't say anything. Because they're already on the next sentence. When you communicate with God, give God time to speak with you. He will. His Word will come alive in your mind and in your heart. And the the things of God will become more real. And there will be a quietness and a gentleness and yet a forcefulness in what God says to you. When you pray... Thou shalt not pray as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. In fact, God illustrates this quite clearly 
as he gives a scene in the temple, here was the uh, Pharisee praying on one side of the temple. He was looking across the room, and he saw this publican. The publicans were tax collectors, and they were notorious. You remember Zacchae? He said, if I took more than I should, I'm going to restore it four times over. Because they could do that. Whatever they wanted to charge you, pretty much they could. And they did. The Pharisee, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those sinners, that I'm not an adulterer, that I, 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 I'm not an idolater, Lord, that, I, that I'm not like that guy. I fast two times a week. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at that. Because in the Bible, if you were part of Israel, they were only required to ever fast one time a year. It was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It was a commanded fast. If you fasted more than that, that was up to you. But, I mean, it's just about unheard of for the Jewish person to fast 52 times a year. That would be once a week. This guy was fasting and he was telling the Lord, I fast two times a week. He says, I tithe everything that I have. That's an amazing statement because the Lord doesn't require that. I mean, I think there's biblical support for a 10% tithe, and I won't even argue if that's net or gross. But he tithed of everything that he had. Now, let's tell you how this would work. If you just bought a new car and you paid, what do they cost? Almost as much as I paid for my first house. Twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. You would take that amount... 10%, and $3,000 of that $30,000 car had to go in the offering. If you just bought a house and it was $150,000, 15000 of that needed to go in the offering. Can you imagine? He was so proud of the fact that he tithed of everything that he had. Right across the way was the public and the tax collector. Jesus took note. He was smoting his breast, saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me, Lord, for I am a sinner, Jesus says to his disciples. That publican over there, his prayer was heard. The Pharisees' prayer didn't go out of the room. So you get an idea of what the Lord expects from us when you pray. Not if you pray. We're told to pray and God makes it clear. You know, when you're praying, this is the way. You lust and have not. You kill. You desire to have. Cannot obtain. You fight and war. And we don't have the things we need because we don't ask for them. It's a good thing to ask the Lord. And to pray and believe that you're going to get those things that you ask for according to His will. Pray regularly. All through the Scriptures, we're admonished to pray. Matthew 6, 6, But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, 
and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6, 9, After this manner therefore pray, our Father which art in heaven. Matthew 9, 38, Pray therefore the Lord of harvest will send forth laborers. Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ephesians 6.18, do you get the idea? All through the Scripture, God is telling us how important it is to pray and to pray regularly. Pray always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The word supplication there is really a unique word. It means to beg. You petition the Lord and you plead and you mourn and you beg for His answer. When you see supplication, it almost says fast, almost always fasting and supplication. Because you're so intent on reaching the Lord and telling Him how important this prayer is to you, to your family, to your church, that you don't even want to eat. You want to keep praying until there's a breakthrough. 1 Thessalonians 5-7 says, Pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy 2-8, I will therefore that men everywhere pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. We're to pray regularly. Prayer is an extension of our faith. And the Bible says, That if you, you cannot possibly please the Lord without faith. So if you just move that around a little bit, you understand since faith is an extension, prayer is an extension of your faith, that that if you're not praying, then, then there's something wrong in your relationship with the Lord. Pray sincerely. Matthew 6, 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. There are right ways and there are wrong ways to pray. If you're praying to be heard of people, that's wrong. If you're praying to be seen of men, The right motive is to be heard of God. And those are the motives for praying that God accepts. Talking with God. That's what we're we're preaching on today. How important it is to have time with the Lord on a daily basis. Communicate with the Lord. The way this works best is to pray secretly. You find a place in your home where you can get alone with God. That means you're probably going to have to get rid of this. Did you ever notice at the most inopportune times, your phone will ring, you'll get a text message, something will be going on, and it will interrupt what you're doing. Incidentally, I turned my phone off. 
You know, you need to get rid of some distractions. Turn off the TV. Get, get alone with the Lord. Shut the door. You say, well, I have a family. I have a husband and wife. I, I can't seem to be able to get alone very long by myself. What's it like at 4 o'clock in the morning at your house? Is everybody still sleeping? I know I am. <laughs> that might be the greatest time for you to be alone with the Lord. Shut the door. Take time to pray. We see this over and over in the Scriptures. Acts 10.9 On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Cornelius said, For days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, that's like three o'clock in the afternoon, Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Mark 6.46, when he sent them away, Jesus departed into the mountain to pray, just so he could be alone, away from everyone else, so he could be with his Father. Mark 1.35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. We see this over and over in the Scripture, Luke twenty-two forty-one, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. He had asked his disciples to pray. They fell asleep. And he was praying. And remember, the Scriptures say he was sweating drops of blood. You're very near death when that happens, by the way. But he was seeking the Lord. Matthew 6, 6, But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. The Father shall reward you openly. That's how important it is to pray and pray secretly. The rewards of praying in secret are twofold. The strength and presence of God will be in our lives. Our needs both material and spiritual, will be met. The answer will be seen this way. Renewed strength, Ephesians 3.20. Provision for the things that you need, Matthew 6.33. Victory over temptation. God will provide a way for you to always be victorious. How about some peace that passes understanding? You ever lay awake at night just worrying? Can't go to sleep. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's something with your husband, wife. Maybe it's something with you. And you just cannot go to sleep because it's so bothering you. God has a peace that passes understanding. Soundness of mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. That can only be a good thing. My grandmother was 105 years old every time I would go to see her. She'd say, Steve, why am I still alive? Why? She'd outlived everyone else she knew when she was growing up. Her husband had passed away. One of her children had already passed away. But she told me this when I would talk with her very long. She says, Steve... I pray for you every night. She prayed for all of her children 
every night. She prayed for her grandchildren by name. She prayed for her great-grandchildren by name. She remembered them. First time I, I took my wife-to-be, Rosalind, to meet my grandmother, we got there and she said, Now, which one is this? Is this Cindy or is this Nene or is this Barbara? Although, none of those, Grandma. None of those. <laughs> She, she remembered, and she prayed. When we had her funeral, I was at the graveside with her, and I got to speak. And I said, who among us is going to stand in the gap? Who is going to pray like my grandmother prayed? Who's going to hold up the children like she has? We're probably here today because she prayed for us. 105 years old, we wonder what our purpose is. It's the same purpose when we're five years old, and that is to pray and seek the Lord. We're to pray thoughtfully. Matthew 6, 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for much speaking. It's kind of like a uh, babbling around. You know, when I was young, my dad taught me how to pray. My mother, Sunday school, we pray before we would eat. First time I prayed, God is great and God is good. Let us thank him for our food. My parents were so proud. <laughs> my little sister was three years old. She, she prayed it too, but it didn't quite sound the same as mine because she couldn't speak real plain yet. But as time went on, I began to learn that after you get done praying, you get to eat. So I would speed it up. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. And I could even go faster than that. God's great. God's good. Let's thank Him for it. And I was interrupted several times. Dad says, That's not the way you pray before the Lord. And then he would pray. It was different than my prayer. <laughs> he didn't use the same words. But he was telling God how great he was and how thankful he was for the food that had been provided. Did you do the, now I lay me down to sleep prayer? We were taught that. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. I hope you still don't pray that. I hope your prayers before the Lord have grown a little more involved. That you're thinking about the Lord a little more seriously, but that you do pray before you go to sleep. That you call upon the Lord because you need to. If you're going to be at peace, you need to know the Lord has heard you and the last words that you said at night were good night to your Heavenly Father. Aren't you glad He doesn't slumber or sleep but takes care of you every night? No more vain babbling, using the same words over and over again with no thought behind them. Talking with God. We need to learn how to do that. Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore pray, 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't give this prayer to be read as our own prayer, but like a model so that we would learn the characteristics of how we should pray. Then the prayer, there are two parts. The holiness and the will of God, that's in the first segment of the prayer. And God meeting our personal needs, that's in the second part of the prayer, what I'll deal with in the second sermon. Our Father, God isn't everyone's Father. In fact, Jesus only mentions two fathers, His Father in heaven and the Father who is called the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to belong to the devil. I was headed to a devil's hell. Even though I was in a Christian home, even though I was drugged to church, even though all these things happened to me, It wasn't until later in my life that I gave my heart to Jesus. And if I would have died any time before the age 17, I would have gone straight to a devil's hell. I was a child of the devil. And then there's a heavenly father. Notice Jesus used this terminology as he called some religious leaders. You are of your father, the devil. Notice they were religious leaders. They had it down pat. They had all the doctrine. They could tell you things about the Bible that you'd never heard before. But they were still children of the devil. Because they never applied the Word of God to their lives personally. Only those who receive Christ as their Savior are children of God. I mentioned the fact that my parents were pretty good people. And for the longest time I thought, if they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven because I'm their children, I'm their child. But do you know what? God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Everybody must be born into the family of God. Everyone must accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and then become His child. Our Father. What a wonderful way to begin. It's important to know that you're not the only child in the family. That you have siblings. You who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are my brothers and sisters. In fact, Truth be told, we're going to spend eternity together. So we'll have a good opportunity to get to know each other well. You really can't pray for people until you get to know their needs and you spend time with them and you open up besides saying, hello, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm okay. It's when you're with someone a while that you begin to learn they could use your prayers. So we want to be those people of the Lord that recognize He's not a respecter of persons, Acts 10.34. We have siblings, and we need to pray for others at least as much as we pray for ourselves. 
So do you have a list? I have to make a list. I'm, I'm getting old. If I don't make a list of things that we need when we go to the grocery store, I'm good for three. But as soon as we hit the fourth or fifth one, all bets are off. How about you in praying for others? You can remember one or two, but there were ten. How can you get that straight? Well, you've got to get a pencil and paper and, and you write it down. And there's nothing wrong with when you're praying before the Lord to open your eyes. You know, you can pray with your eyes open. Preferably when you're driving, you'll do that. Look at that list and go over it twice. <laughs> Make sure you've included everybody in your prayers that needs to hear. They need to be heard before the Lord. Because we have a Heavenly Father. We have someone we can trust. Someone whose welfare is always on our mind, on their mind. We have someone who will provide for us. Someone who will protect us. Someone who will be available anytime we call. God is there. He hears. He loves us. Someone who will discipline us. We don't like that part, but He will anyway. If you're not chastised, the Scriptures say, then you must be illegitimate. God works on us all, especially pastors, because we have to proclaim the truth. And then while you're studying, this is what happens. What you're studying becomes to impact you, and you begin to understand how much you need the Lord. That's what happens when you read the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you'll love the author. That Word of God begins to penetrate your life. I think it's good to realize that our Father is in heaven. This is where our prayers are be directed. Heaven in the Scriptures is spoken of in three different ways. The atmosphere that surrounds the earth, that's the first heaven. The second heaven is the sun, the moon, the stars. And the third heaven... That's where God is. In fact, if you want a specific location, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14 that the Lord's throne is through the sides of the north. That's where we are praying when we direct our prayers towards heaven. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Psalms 103.19 Because God is in heaven, He has power over things on the earth. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist, Psalms 103:19. Hallowed be Thy name. We want to remember that hallowed means holy. Holy is the name of God. It actually means to be set apart as unique and special. He is holy. I like to say this when I'm praying. Lord, there is none like You. You stand alone above all else. You're above all, before all, and over all. I'd like to remind myself who my God is. Your God, pastor would say, and, and I ain't. Your God and God alone, I'd like to say that. 
before the Lord. In Scripture, he has many names. Elohim, the mighty creator who speaks worlds into existence. It's a plural word that really confused me at first. But there is a Father, Son, and Spirit. Elion, God the Most High, Psalms 57.2. El Shaddai, the God of strength. Elroy, God who sees, Genesis 16.13. Elam, everlasting God. All these are names of the Lord. And all it means is this, He is everything you are ever going to need. All His names show His provision for creation. It's funny, when you look in the Bible and you see the name God, you have to look a little bit further. There's not many ways to do this, but if you take, like I do, a Strong's Concordance big print, and you look up the name God, it will always break the name down for you, and you'll see what name is being honored by the word God. Thy kingdom come. Kingdom is a noun, a government, country, headed by a king, a realm, or a domain. I happen to believe that my father has a kingdom, and he is Lord and King over it, and nothing is going to fix our world until Jesus comes to rule and reign here. Nothing. There is no world leader that's going to do it other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why His kingdom is needed on the earth. We're praying for that kingdom to come. The will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. How is God's will done in heaven? Immediately. When God says it, it's about getting it done. It's done perfectly. There's no debate, no confusion, but fully confirming the will of God. It's done absolutely. There's no conflict in heaven. Everybody is in tune with the will of God. You get this picture for a human being as you look at what Mary said. Gabriel came and he the angel Gabriel said, you're going to, uh, you're blessed of all women. You're going to have a child. He's going to be the Messiah. And she says, but how can this be? I've never known a man. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you, overshadow you. And the thing that's born is going to be holy. It will be the Son of God. Mary's words, even though she didn't understand how it was going to happen, be it unto me according to thy will, Luke 1.38. When you're willing to say, God, your will be done, and really mean it, regardless of what we want, our prayers are answered. When we pray according to his will, John 5.14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. To be continued next service. Praise the Lord. Can we thank God for His Word?
Thank him for his prayer. Thank him that we can learn.